This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Uh, We have a fun show today. I'm actually really excited about this guest. Um, It's going to be a little off kilter than what we usually do. We usually talk the tour the entire time, but um, the guest I have today um, was a part of the U.S. Open um, when I was there and also is a part of something even more special now and has a lot of good experience. He lives in New York City. He was kind enough to call in today. Welcome to the podcast for the first time, Kyle John Kenai. Kyle, how you doing? Yo, what's going on, Jacob? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on, man. I know you uh, reached out to me a little, uh, a little while ago about doing this, and I was just more than excited to be a part of it. So again, thank you for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm super jacked about it. So I first want to start off with um, what you what you've done at the U S open. I know this year wasn't your first time there. So what, um, how, how many years did you do it and what did you do throughout those years? Yeah, absolutely. Correct. So I've been a part of the U S open, uh, 2016, 17, 18 and 19, which is really wild to even just say it out loud. Um, because it's just not only flown by, but, um, you know, you kind of just lose track, uh, really more than anything. Um, 16, 17, and 18, I was in ticket operations. I was working as a client services representative. Um, so any any ticket matters, whether it was, you know, through June, July of, like, people wanting to purchase ticket packages, you know, we would assist with that. Many plans, full series plans. Obviously, you can imagine how much how expensive those are. Yeah. Um, and then in 2019, yeah, when we finally got the cross paths, that was when I was the MBA graduate intern for pro tennis operations for specifically in player relations. So that was, that was really, really special. And I guess what, what kind of separates the two? Um, what, obviously they're two completely different things, but, um, what kind of made them super different than each other? Yeah. And super different is, is the exact, you know, term to use for it. Uh, I'd say ticket operations, ticket operations was, was far more, I would say consumer facing. Um, and it was a lot more, like answering the phones and like putting out fires as far as uh, concerns went like, Oh, like, you know, what ticket is this good for? Does an Ash ticket get me into a grandstand match and vice versa? Just handling a lot of those concerns. Whereas this most recent one with player relations was a lot more like it would sound like player facing um, and really just contributing to and creating the player's experience at the open on that side was far more special, at least for me. Um, in terms of its contribution to the tournament, as you'd imagine. How, how did your how did your first three years though prepare you, or I mean, did it prepare you, um, or even help you in your role you did your last year with player operations? 
Yeah, I think I think it definitely did prepare me. Um, I think probably the most obvious one would be like, let's say for players and ticketing matters. Um, like there are some players, obviously, as you'd imagine, bigger names, but like, let's say we had an allotment of, I don't know, eight tickets per Ash match, eight Louis Armstrong, or like six in the grandstand, for instance. Um, from the ticket facing side, we knew that some of the bigger players would want more than that, like 30 to 40. And, you know, I think obviously working ticket operations kind of helped me prepare for how to handle those matters. Um, there are some that we would apply for, some that we wouldn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as far as just handling, handling people's concerns kind of translated well to handling players' requests, I think was the best way to put it. Yeah, perfect. So um, to kind of explain Kyle's position at the U.S. Open, so I was a player escort, which I've talked about on here before, and he, <clears throat> excuse me, he was, um, he was like kind of in charge. Um, there was like the head people, the full-time people, and then there were the like the interns that kind of dealt with us interns. I don't want to use the word dealt, right. but like you, right, right, you, right. you kind of managed us a little bit more because, I mean, to be honest, the full-time people have a little bit more stuff to – Stuff to do a little bit more on their plate. So he was kind of um, making sure, I mean, before I even went out there, I was getting emails from him like, hey, we had to fill out a few things. We had to do a few training things to make sure, uh, one, we were ready for the Open. Two, we had the proper training. And he was kind of in charge of that. And then during the Open, um, you kind of were a catch-all. I mean, you kind of were all over the place, whether it be, like you said, dealing with the player ticket side or um, dealing with, I mean, were were you guys told pretty much, um, I mean, all of them were cool. Like everything we did at the player operation side, in my eyes, it's a cool gig no matter what. But um, were were you kind of just like doing whatever needs to be done in order for that player op side to go good? Yeah, absolutely. So just as you'd imagine, I mean, in operations, and this goes for anything, there's a lot of moving parts, right? There's like a lot of different hats that you wear. Uh, but like you said, I mean, there was no bad job in player operations. Player operations is where you want it to be at. You know, forget the whole player-facing side. I mean, there's just so many, like, cool things to be part of, whether it was coordinating transportation or um, meeting with player dining and the chefs, like, a couple months out to taste test the food to make sure that it was, you know, it was on point uh, to be served in the, ca- in the uh, you know, in the cafe. Um, all the way down to, uh, like you were saying, player escorts, practice court monitors, um, or even just, like, the player gifting side. Like, there's a partnership that we have with uh, Nordstrom, and they have got they've got a lot of items that they kind of gift the players with main draw players that is um, that you know that that's just an entity or like side that people don't really know about you know like once you make it to the main draw you do get like a nice little gift bag and I will say as somebody that has made those orders those are uh, those are not cheap gifts so uh, so yeah just just really cool I think I think our number one goal in player operations was um, to be the number one Grand Slam in player services. Uh, player services is something that we could control. Uh, there was a ton of just survey um, feedback that I, that I had gotten to comb through over the summer, this past summer, about what players did and didn't like about each tournament. And, um, you know, there were things that our director of player relations said that we could control and couldn't. Some of them would be like traffic and, you know, amount of time that it takes to get from the airport to wherever they're staying to the open and so on you know, it's not our fault that we're in New York city. Right. And it's the middle of the summer. It's a holiday weekend, you know, Labor Day weekend. That is, that is sandwiched around, um, that we can't do much about. Right. But we can control what we can control as far as the service side. And I think, you know, from the player escort side, even down to, uh, locker room attendance, 
um, we can control that part. And I think that we did a really good job of that. Yeah, for sure. And I think the coolest part about working for the people that we worked for, they were all super cool people. And um, the nicest part about them is they, my vibe I got from them is they wanted me to work harder for them. Like, like, or I wanted to work harder for them because of who they were and how they managed our team. So it was cool to be able to like be a part of that player experience and, you know, the motivation to be like, we do want to be the best grand slam in the way that we do treat our players, but also these, yeah. these players do treat or these players do deserve the best. And that also shows on how nice the facilities are and, you know, how big a fan base there is. And Arthur Ashe stadium is like the Mecca, you know? So it was, that that part of it I thought made our job easy. Um, but yeah. the open is really four weeks long. So whether you start in qualies and then all the way till, you know, Nadal held the trophy on the last day, that's yeah, a full yeah. four weeks. So what part of that four weeks? Um, I know my favorite, but I'm not gonna tell it I'm not gonna tell you quite yet. But what what was <laughs> your favorite part of that four weeks? Uh I you know, honestly for me it was uh it was day one. Um it was day one for me just because of all the energy and, and all the atmosphere that really does come together on the ground. Um, you know, we day said, one of the tournament, you know, the, day one of the main correct, draw, of the main draw. Yeah. The main draw. Yep. Yep. Um, because, and you know, the proof is in the numbers here. I mean, it was a record amount of people that came out to the open this year, you know, like no, no, uh, tournament in the past has seen this high of an attendance, which is really encouraging, not only for the event, but for the sport. Um, but yeah, day one of the main draw. Um, it's funny just because like my first day, like with the USDA in this role at the White Plains headquarters was like June 3rd. So, you know, honestly, by like halfway through qualifiers, you're burnt out, man. Like, you know, you're in, you go from uh, the White Plains office, like June, July, kind of in cruise control, kind of like, you know, prepping in the stages leading up toward it. And then, you know, halfway through qualies, you're like, man, Technically, it's still day zero, but for me, it's like day fifteen. Yeah. You know, so I think I think uh, day one was my favorite because it was almost like a resurgence, like a like a renaissance almost. That's that that's definitely my favorite is day one, yeah. just because of the energy. Okay, nice on the on the ground. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's like like you said, I was only there for two weeks prior to that day one, but the whole time you're like, I just want to start the tournament. Like I yeah, I, and and qualities is cool because everyone's you know trying to make the main draw and everyone's just playing their heart out and there's a lot of passion that yeah. week but you just want to get the tournament started and you just want to see all the fans yeah. and you just want to see the atmosphere and you just want to see all the big players play and the upsets and right. whatever the case may be but like we said that was an internship what have you done um i think that got over was it late september is that correct correct um yep. what what have you done since then because for as much as i've i've followed you you've done some done some pretty cool things yeah, man, no, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, in a couple of months after, I mean, I think I just took some time uh, to just recover. I mean, it sounds silly, but I mean, it it, it really it really was a marathon, right? It really was, um, you know, just a long, long uh, journey, one that I was happy to be a part of. Um, and then after that, after like a brief stint at Nike, where I had worked in the past, I uh, joined Major League Baseball. Uh, specifically the World Baseball Classic. So for those that don't know, the World Baseball Classic is kind of like the Olympics of the sport. It's like every four years, uh, several nations come together to compete, obviously, and then try to win that, you know, that uh, international championship. So um, for that, I was the coordinator, or rather I am a national team operations coordinator. So my two assigned teams were Germany and uh, the Philippines. Uh, Philippines are where both of my uh, parents are from, so that was especially 
really cool to be a part of. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of a similar role. Um, and that, it, yeah, it was player facing, uh, yeah, it was operations based. Um, but it's also just, uh, kind of just liaising and coordinating between my respective federations and the world baseball classic. Yeah. Sweet. And your, your story with baseball is also interesting too. Didn't you didn't play high school ball, right? And then you ended up going to play college. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Our high school didn't have a team, so I just played in these really, um, you know, to be, to be totally transparent, very like low level, like in-house leagues where basically you signed up, you paid X amount of dollars, you got a uniform that didn't fit you and, uh, and you suited up. Uh, but yeah, I did, I did, uh, you know, kind of just work hard regardless of that. Uh, there's like a brick wall, uh, that I live across the street from like my neighbor and I would just throw a tennis ball against it. Um, just so as not to break any car windows. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man. And then uh, went to uh, Wheaton College, Massachusetts and uh, walked on there. So it was, it was really, really cool. Well, and um, so this Major League Baseball role you have now, um, you got you got put in Arizona for a while. What was going on down there? Was that like pre-World Baseball Classic practices? Because I think was Germany down there, too? Like your teams were down there, right? Yeah, absolutely correct. So I started this role in February, February 3rd. And uh Throughout all of February, it's basically a ton of preparation, booking flights, just squaring away rosters, making sure that everyone's eligible via, you know, a parent or, you know, whatever family member's birth certificate, um, and kind of just ensuring that that's all in place. Uh, in March, March 6th, um, through what was what was supposed to be until the 26th, uh, and I'll get to that in a moment, we were in Arizona, in Tucson uh, specifically. So those were the qualifiers. So 12 teams were invited to these qualifiers, and the top two would advance to the main tournament, which is in 2021. So against every four years. So the last one was 2017. Uh, Team USA won it. The one before that was 2013. I believe that was Dominican Republic. Um, and it really started in 2006. So six, then nine, there was a three-year gap for that first one. So it was six, nine, just to get it, like, I believe, on track with the Olympic schedule uh, or something like that. So it was six, nine, uh, 13, 17, 21. Um, so yeah, so, uh, Germany was there, uh, got to hang out with them. That was really cool. Um, probably got to develop more of a bond with them than I did any of the tennis players just because, um, like we were all staying in the same hotel, right? Whereas in, uh, the U S open, you know, they would do their business in Flushing and then they would, they would head on out of there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, unfortunately they get cut short, um, you know, due to, uh, you know, the crisis that is, that is taking place that's kind of affecting everybody's lives, uh, so unfortunately, no games got to get going uh, by the time that that decision was made. Obviously, ultimately the correct one, but um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, something that can still be a part of uh, moving down the line. Yeah. So like, um, obviously, you've done multiple positions, whether it be you know interning at the U.S. Open or now working at the MLB. You also done some things with Nike. What like, I want to know because like, what what's your dream job? Like, where do you where do you want to get from there? Because obviously. Um, I've talked about you lived in New York City, um, and to be honest, you've it seems like you've used your resources there to your advantage. Um, you've you uh, like you've got the U.S. Open, which is you know the biggest turn- tennis tournament in the world. Um, the MLB headquarters. You've you've worked there. You know the N- Nikes there. You've done your stuff in there. What what where do you see yourself? Where what do you want to do long term? Yeah, you know. Uh... I don't know. And I think that that's like my favorite part, right? I think that when I was speaking with somebody recently, it was kind of like a talent 
production manager, a recruiter. She was like, I'm looking at your resume and there's a bunch of different ways you could go with it. And I think that that's like my favorite part, kind of just the flexibility. Um, I've definitely enjoyed the sports operation side, the business operation side of things. Um, because no two days are the same, which is a beautiful and an awful thing. Uh, you wake up, you don't really know what you're getting into. Um, but I mean, that's great, right? I mean, it keeps you, uh, it keeps you on your toes. Uh, I think, I think definitely player facing and I, and potentially in baseball, potentially in basketball, um, potentially in any sport, honestly, just because of the amount of like mutual respect there is just for athletes, right. And just how, how thankful I am for everything that sport has taught me. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, probably player operations, I think would be a really solid start to sort of answer that question. Um, you live in Queens, is that right? Yeah, man. Yeah, I live. I live like a mile and a half from uh, from the U.S. Open, so from uh, from the National Tennis Center. So, dude, I drive past it every. I could walk to it if I wanted to. It's it's so cool to even see. I mean, even before I was yeah, there, man. like the first day I got to New York, I I went by it on the train. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, the big chase I know, right dude. on the side of the uh, Arthur yeah. Stadium. Uh, the Ash, chills, yeah. Yeah. like chills. Um, yeah. and oh, question. Last time I was there, I flew out of Laguardia. You gave me a ride. Is that place yeah, done dude. yet, or is it still under construction? Uh, still under construction, and I feel like it's gonna be like a thousand years until <laughs> it gets completed. <laughs> Not I've, gonna lie to you. I, th- I think one of my buddies uh, flew through Laguardia the other day, and he got or like a month ago or so, and he was like, was like "Yeah, I flew there, then through Laguardia." I was like, "Still construction?" And they're like, "Yep, still construction." I was like, "Yeah." I flew in there at like <laughs> August 9th, and it was full of construction. Um, yeah, dude. I, I mean, this pandemic is happening. COVID nineteen, obviously, New York is. Yep. is up there how you doing how's how's the friends how's the family how's everything yeah man no the epicenter absolutely um no we're good we're strong uh you know just definitely staying indoors and you know just not going like they're just a bunch of you know just really questionable decisions being made by a lot of people that are going to these parks and still working out at these outdoor parks and stuff and i'm like all right well you know come on <laughs> you know, so it's definitely it's definitely weird though because like I'll go out on drives. Like the only times that I will leave my house, like will be to get in the car, drive around, and then come back home just to you know get out of the house. And dude, I mean, when I tell you like driving through the streets of Manhattan and it's totally empty, it's the weirdest thing. Like it's five o'clock on a Friday and there's not a car out there. Um, so definitely strange. But I mean, thank you for asking. You definitely definitely staying strong out here. Yeah, that's good. No, I've I've thought about you a couple of times because I was like, God, New York, and then I was like, Who do I know that lives in New York? And I was like, yeah, dude. <laughs> I can only think of like you, and then like our bosses during the U.S. Open. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure they live like outside. Yeah, it's like Jersey, Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. And I was like, I don't know, but yeah, yeah no, definitely. Um, I know I wanted to ask about it because um, I have no idea what it's like out there. Obviously, we have a bunch of yeah, cases dude. back in South Dakota, but it's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um. And I couldn't even imagine um, nightmare. Yeah, no. um, but I guess I mean that'll do it. And anything else you got? Um, I think we talked about some tennis stuff. That was fun. Um, you're doing stuff with the World Baseball Classic. I mean, World Baseball Classic right now is still going on, right? 2021. Correct. Yeah, as of right now. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Where can they find you on social media? Also, drop your link. To, I'll, I'll put um when I put this on social media and believe post it out. There will be um his name will be on it and. Follow you on LinkedIn. What do you do on LinkedIn? Remind us. Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked. Uh, my LinkedIn profile can be found at my name, which is just straight across, um, which I know you guys will see uh, in the title and the, and the description. But as far as what I do on LinkedIn, it's really just a lot of storytelling. And I think that's where a lot of, um, you know, what we each do uh, very, very much overlaps. Uh, telling the story. Uh, 
for me, it's my story. Um, I'm glad that you asked earlier, like, hey, where do you see yourself? What do you want to do? And the answer is, I don't know. Um, and I've come to embrace that because while I don't know what I want to do, I do know that I have my stories. Right? And a lot of those stories could be U.S. Open related. They could be uh, World Baseball Class related. They could just be like encounters that I have with my friends. And I'm like, hey, like this was really integral to my professional development, or even personal development. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, that's great for like employers and stuff for you know, those that might be taking a look at it. I'm like, yeah, but really the intention is just to share my story, right? Um, to let people know that anything and everything that they are experiencing, um, they're not alone through it, uh, whether it's like a feeling of doubt during COVID right now, or um, even just like breaking through to that final point of success that you worked so hard to get to. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm doing on LinkedIn. Um, appreciate you asking about that. And uh, yeah, something I'm really proud of, uh, something that I try to be really on top of. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite platforms to use now. It's like, it's, you know, some, some of them are videos you edit. Um, some of them yep, are yep. stories you just write and tell with pictures or articles or whatever the case may be. No, super interesting. Um, that's why I wanted to bring it up because if someone's listening to this and want to jump in on it, um, it's definitely, you know, something you really want to, you want to look into and read because I do. And I think they're, they're really interesting. Uh, where can they find you on Twitter and Instagram? You got them? Well, I know you got yeah, Instagram, for sure. but... Yeah, Instagram is also my name straight across, and Twitter is at underscore KD2. Oh, easy. Um, Kevin Durant, yeah, too. Sounds good. Um, yeah, man, that's <laughs> me. <laughs> well, I, I think that'll do it for today. Um, we'll definitely have you on later. Matters how how it goes with all this uh, Major League Baseball Classic. I'd love to have you on if you know something comes out of it or career path change or whatever the case may be in the future. Um we hopefully I'll be doing this podcast for long enough where we can do something like that. No, I definitely, um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah. I mean, even just to wrap, I mean, you know, I know that your podcast has spoken so much about like this horror and everything. And just, um, even just some really, really cool stories, like one that, that Sam shared, uh, from, I believe it was a city open and that's really cool. But I think even just to perform, to, to offer, uh, a little bit of a perspective of like probably a more casual tennis fan, um, it's been really cool to see the transformation, forget working it, of even just the grounds, right? Of mm-hmm. the grandstand opening in 16, the transitional year in 17, um, you know, after the old grandstand and old Louis kind of went down. And then, um, you know, the new one in, in a new Louis in it was 18, right? And then the roof um, over Ash in 16. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's definitely a transitional period for the, for the sport. Um, you got the big three, like, probably a little bit on the way out more than not. Um, and then obviously the next gen coming in kind of hot. So it's definitely exciting. Um, and then even just for me to conclude, US Open is definitely something that I look forward to every year, not only for the sport and for the players, but really just for the event. Uh, so for anyone that maybe has been on the fence about it, should I take that flight out there? Should I make that trip? I think uh, think it's a resounding yes on both of our parts. I, th- I think you should fly into LaGuardia be prepared yeah. for some for maybe yeah. a delay or a cancellation, but yeah. definitely fly into there. Pick you up. Yeah, yeah. I I, to, I totally forgot. Like you've you've grown up with, um, you know the USTA National Tennis Center in your backyard nearly, yeah, right? Bro. Seriously, yeah. You've yeah. seen you've seen it transform. That's super cool. No, I mean I mean yeah. it is it it's truly a magical place. Like, yeah. You you walk into the grounds and it's shocking how big it actually is and how cool it actually is and. You build this place for like four weeks a year. <laughs> that's that's I all I could think of. I like know. the whole time I was there, I was like, "Wow, this place is so magical, and it's only used yeah. like technically like four weeks a year." Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, I appreciate it, Kyle. Thanks for uh, 
Thanks for being on. And um, we also he also connected me with someone else who worked at the Open this year, and I believe he, he's coming on next week. I think. I, uh, awesome. okay, yeah, I texted him yesterday or he texted me and I think we're going to work on it. So, um, he's more of a right. tennis nerd a little bit like I am. So that'll be, that'll be another interesting yeah. side. You know, now that we don't have tennis to like June, I'm trying to bring, you know, a little, a little mix of everything. You know, we touched a little baseball today. We touched a little, you know, Nike, a little player upside, you know, I'm yeah. trying, I'm trying to get everything in here because frankly, there's nothing else going on. <laughs> yeah, no, it adds a nice dimension for sure. Well, I appreciate it, Kyle. Thank you. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back on sometime in the future. Yeah, no, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, thank you again for having me. For real, thank you. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.